Let's go. Hello, everyone. Let's tune in to this latest episode of the Heavy 15 podcast, the only podcast of its time, delivering you the NFL content you need in 15 minutes or less. I am your host, James Hiller. Let's get down to business, baby. On today's agenda, I'll be diving into the Browns' schedule and shed some light on their sneaky playoff potential in 2020 amid all their chaos surrounding their team in the years past. I know, guys. What are you thinking, James? But just wait. You'll see. Anyways, enjoy. Cleveland, this is for you. Cleveland Browns, here we go. Is this team's fool's gold? I don't know. Like It seems for the past two seasons now, the Cleveland Browns has either been a tease, the hype train. I've heard many words from many people, fans, not fans, observers, blah, blah, blah. They've been a joke. Well, let's be honest. They, they have the talent. We know they have Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield, number one overall draft pick. Miles Garrett, stud. He's just a freak on the line. Denzel Ward, just to name a few. Jarvis Landry, you know, but dysfunction in the in the front office, right? And the coaching staff, like Freddie Outhouse Kitchens, really? That's what we're calling him now. Heard that name been thrown around at Freddie Outhouse. The guy was an absolute disaster. He stopped doing what was working for Baker, um, and making him feel comfortable last year in the offense. And once he strayed away from that, it was game over, clearly, because he didn't want to continue that last year after getting his first head coaching gig ever when he hadn't even been an assistant coach before. So it, it's just a little frustrating, right? But step aside, Freddie Outhouse Kitchens, goodbye, no more. Go back to coaching whatever you are going to do now, I don't know. But welcome, Kevin Stefanski. Thank the heavens. Baker, that is going to be your new best friend, buddy. Uh, if, if you're stubborn like me, a young 25-year-old. Uh, boy, you better start listening, Baker. I know the honeymoon season after your wedding last year. There's a lot of injuries. You know, I heard you didn't really take it that seriously. That's fine, all fine and dandy, but this might be your last chance, buddy. So it's time to uh, step the game up a bit and... Get, get your head in the playbook. Um, so aside from Kevin Stefanski coming from, over from uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they also decided to go pay a new high-profile tight end, Austin Hooper, former pro bowler from the Atlanta Falcons. Solid. That helps. David Njoku plus Hooper. That could be a bit of a match-up nightmare. Um, and honestly, other than Stefanski and Hooper, obviously those are great. But I think two of the more important things that some people might not say, but some are obviously, uh, is the two new offensive linemen in the building. Uh, Both tackle spots are now upgraded. This is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Because Jedrick Wills, Alabama stud, thought as the probably number one left tackle out of the draft, 
big things have been said around by Saban and others around the league. Um, and another great run blocker uh, to, and, and a little bit of pass to not only help Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt, but Baker to, to stay upright, right? Uh, Jack Conlon from uh, the Titans who helped Derrick Henry in that bruising run game really, really scare some folks actually in the playoffs. You know, so how, you know they, they beat the Pats, they beat the Ravens, you know, all about that. Um, but yeah, that's just a few of the smaller additions. So I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. All right, all right. So uh, this is where things might get a little bit more tricky. Uh, if, if you're just like a average Joe kind of fan, you don't like follow too much. But hang in, hang in there, though. You're going to learn something. Bear with me. Um, so we're going to jump into sort of the play style slash offensive personnel groupings that I, I project for them for 2020 and hopefully so on if it's a success, seeing as how uh, they have a new coaching staff, right? So... Here's some stats for you real quick. So the Browns were in 11 personnel. What's 11 personnel? So 11 personnel grouping is when there's three wide receivers on the field. They're along with one running back and one tight end. So who's that probably right? Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, um, maybe a Kareem Hunt, Chubb uh, as their running back, plus Hooper and Joku at tight end, right? Um, Maybe Rashard Higgins is the other one. He might not matter as much with that being said. So that's what the personnel is. Um, they ran that 56.3% of the time. They ran plays on offense in 2019 with Freddie outhouse slash Todd Monken, their guy that was assisting Freddie because, you know, he didn't have a coaching gig before. So need to have his hand held a bit to help run the show. But um, here's where it gets more interesting. So meanwhile, the Vikings on the other hand, with Kevin Stefanski, 11 personnel. They only ran that 20.6% of the time. So that was a league low in 19. So 20.6 to 56.3. That's a big swing, right? Um, So the NFL average was a whopping 64.6%, almost triple the average rate. So... What, what am I getting at here? Basically, look for the Browns to be much more in 12 personnel sets. So it's 12 personnel, uh, one running back, two tight end, two wide receiver in 2020 because that's what the Vikings ran a ton of last year. Like seeing as how I already read you that stat, 20.6% 11, they're not going to run that a lot because why would they when the Vikings knew what they had and they had some really good success in it. They made the playoffs, right? Um but in all honesty, this this switch could pay off massively for Cleveland. They they've been out of the playoffs way too long. Like there's way too much talent. There's been too many bridges been broken. That front office. There's so many firings. They just they gotta get it together. They have all the talent around them. And if Stefanski and crew can get Baker going with this scheme, I honestly like I think they are playoff bound. Um, so the most obvious or most efficient use of 12 personnel, in my opinion, of course, uh, for Cleveland should probably look something like along the lines of uh, Nick Chubb plus Austin Hooper, David Njoku, the two tight ends, and the two wideouts being Odell Beckham Jr. paired with Jarvis Landry, right? I don't know. Like, this spells trouble to me. Like, matchup nightmares all around the field. And even if Nick Chubb, like, it depends what they want to do. They could throw in a uh, cream hunt there, too. He... People forget that 
<laughs> rushing chill leader a few years back before his uh, uh disgusting sandal with a female but we don't need to get into that um so obviously with this trouble why why i'm talking about this is because there's so many ways they can move the ball around in this formation right there's definitely gonna be some trickery involved um let's go into baker's uh success now in 11 personnel in 2019 and why I'm saying this is so important for them to get out of this. So his production splits between week one through nine. Okay. So 6.8 yards per average, 39% success, 69 QBR. Brutal. Three TD, six picks. Okay. So versus non-11 personnel groupings, what did Baker do? 8.6 yards per attempt, 55% yard six percent success, sorry. Um, 115 QBR. Wow. Three touchdowns, zero picks. Obviously not ran so much though, because you heard how they ran eleven personnel over fifty percent, right? So what was their record when they ran eleven personnel, you ask? Two and six while utilizing 11 personnel 84% during this time when calling plays. What are they doing? Freddie, what are you doing? But so counter argument to that. But James, David and Joku went down in week two and wasn't healthy till week 14. So why wouldn't they use those three receiver set? Because they're more favorable in any other formation, right? Why why stick to sign over and over and over and over again if it's not working? You gotta change things up, Freddie. Um not to mention their third and fourth receivers, they played in less than half of the 2019 game. So how does 11 personnel make sense? Your tight end's done with the conky and what else? I forgot the other injury he had. Um, two, like, and your receivers, two of your receivers aren't even there. So, And they also miss weeks two, three, and four. So again, why more 11 personnel? I just, I think it's hilarious. Um Another reason why 11 personnel with Baker as your quarterback should not be a thing very often. He got sacked 12 times and was pressured far more often, meaning less accurate throws and rush plays, right? So, but And especially in the AFC North where defensive ends and edge rushers just obliterate teams, and that's doesn't spell good for uh, Cleveland there. But when Baker had extra bodies to help him protect in pass protection or give him give a good pre-snap look or to make it look like there's more protection. He had more success and hence 12 personnel. Um, just like Sam Darnold said, I was seeing ghosts and clearly Baker was seeing some ghosts with his rush process and mechanics, right? Um, clearly the guy can use some more protection. Boy, oh boy, is it coming with these new additions? Uh, but it gets better fan Browns fans. They played the ninth toughest schedule in 19 and jumped to the fourth easiest in 2020. That's big. Very, very big. So even better news for Baker, aside from the probable personnel grouping changes, the Browns played the third toughest schedule of pass defenses last year with a jump to one of the top easiest pass D schedules in the league. They also suffered from the toughest schedule for total defense in 2019 in comparison to the ninth easiest projected in 2020. So it's easy to see why there may be very days ahead finally for this cursed Cleveland Browns team, right? Some winners, though. James, we want some winners. What do you have the Browns going this year as for their projective record? Seeing as how there's now a seventh playoff spot. There's an extra one, right? They added one this year. Um, 
Let's see. So, projected record, Cleveland Browns. Putting it on the table right now. It's September 5th. I have them going 10-6. and six. I'm not saying book it now, go to your local gambling site, whatever you do. I'm just saying what I think, right? You can go with what I think. You don't have to. That's cool. But for now, I might change my mind. But as of September 5th, the Cleveland Browns are going 10 and 6. And I think they're getting the last, the other wildcard spot, the extra one that they added. Okay. So let's get in the schedule. They have a few advantages on their favor, obviously, right? Like playing the Ravens in week one. Everything's like, you know how the world is with COVID and all that. Lots of prep time. So there's a new coaching staff. I realize that we've talked about that, but they might actually have a chance to be able to gather a script together to maybe knock them off and steal a game from the Ravens. I don't know. I think they, they have a chance. The spread right now I saw it's eight, eight and a half ish. I at least would lead the Browns at least spread wise. I don't know about the first game total, but so following that game, regardless of win or lose, I, I think it's going to be a great test just for that coaching staff. After that, though, they have two easy home games against rookie Joe Burrow and the Bengals and the team that shall not be named, known as Washington. Um, they should win both of these easily, right? Washington, they don't, they're just getting rid of the guys left and right. I even heard now they're even got rid of Adrian Peterson. They just want to run the young guys. And hey, I don't blame them. Why not? Why not tank for, for Trevor Lawrence? Um, and same with the Bengals, right? They don't. They, they haven't played a lot together, right? A.J. Green's coming back finally. He's hurt again. He's in. He's back. He's hurt. Tyler Boyd's great. Uh, they just signed Joe Mixon to a contract, which I don't know. With paying running backs, we've seen how that's all worked out, right? Uh, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette got drafted for overall. They didn't even want him anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, I think those are two easy wins at home, regardless of the fan aspect. Um once week five hits the farthest that they have to travel for the next two months is honestly when they go cross state again to Cincy uh, in week seven before playing three straight home games with a buy in between. So it's looking easy peasy between that um, during those weeks, during that stretch, I have them being the Bengals again because duh, the Bengals, <coughs> um, the Raiders, and Texans, the Raiders have a really tough schedule this year. I know I said that last year, but uh, I don't think luck is going to be on their side so much this year. And the measly Texans with Bill O'Brien seemingly setting the whole organization on fire with the amount of draft picks he's throwing away for some guys that may not be uh, maybe on their last leg, to be honest. But uh, from week 12 onwards, I have them being the Jags, the Ravens at home on Monday night football after not being able to do it probably in week one with their new scheme. Then continuing the win streak against the Giants and Jets and being the Steelers in week 17 at home for a potential winning in scenario to finish the season on a four game win streak. This would be huge for the Browns. And I think they finally have the leadership to make it happen, guys. But that is what I think. For the Browns, I had them going 10 6, getting that extra wild card spot. That is all today. Thank you for tuning in to the Heavy 15 podcast. I am James Hiller. See you next time.